Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's really, <laughs> you don't have to be a super deep thinking person right. to figure that out, right. right? Yeah. But just the fact that biologists agree with, like, reality, I guess can help people who don't agree with reality come to reality. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours, send me, Lord. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro life ministry, and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome back to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us. This is Daniel Parks. I am joined with Vicki Cassiorg. Hey, everyone. And we're blessed to be able to bring these episodes to you to help encourage you, help inform you, help you be effective out on the sidewalks as you're reaching out to men and women at the abortion centers to bring help and hope and to bring the gospel at those places of darkness and death. And we hope that these episodes have been a blessing to you. Please, if they have been, leave us a review. We have um, um, several reviews, actually, on our podcast. We've mentioned a couple of times, and we're actually thinking about doing an episode to read through some of those fun reviews that our pro-abortion friends have left. We've got more reviews on our podcast than probably any other pro-life podcast on the face of the planet. That is quite an accomplishment. Yes. The sad thing is they're all one star (laughs) because our pro-abortion friends apparently have a lot of followers on TikTok. But it's kind of fun. Reading uh-huh. some of their comments, some of them are grievous and, and gross and disgusting. Right, um, but some of them are fun to read. So, Very but either way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, either way, though, we would encourage you guys to leave us a five star review if you're able to. Let other folks know about this podcast that you think they would be blessed to listen to it. Just reach out and share it on social media and every other avenue that you have, so that more folks can get equipped and encouraged. So we're going to jump right into our episode. Today, we're going to talk about scientific reasons to not abort or not to abort, mm-hmm. scientific reasons to stand for life. Maybe that's a better way to word mm-hmm. it, scientific reasons to protect the preborn. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to dig into some of that. So this could be applied whenever you're reaching out at the abortion center, maybe to a mom going in, certainly, uh, maybe to a friend that has a, a mom that's inside there, the boyfriend, family member, or whatever. Maybe in conversations with some of your friends that might be Mm pro-abortion or, quote, Mm pro-choice. So what are some of the scientific reasons that we should stand? Now, we know because this is a gospel-centered pro-life podcast and because we know that the foundation of truth is the God of truth himself, that we need to bring God into the equation, right? If God... if God's not in the equation, then really what value does human life have beyond any other animal or creature or whatever, right? We believe that human beings have an intrinsic value that is other than any other creature because mm-hmm. human beings are the only creature that are made in the image of God. Right. So that's foundational. That's absolutely the case. But also we have to acknowledge all truth is God's truth, mm-hmm. right? All truth is mm-hmm. God's truth. And so scientific truths that have been uncovered kind of reveal this truth that the Bible speaks of that every human being is, um, is precious and should be protected. Yeah. Yeah. And that human life doesn't just begin when a person is born, but human life begins at conception. Yeah. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I don't know if you have it in the article, Uh but 
about 95%. So if you if you ask the question, and I've been doing this with pro-abortion people lately, ask them the question, when does life begin? And they say, well, no one really knows. And mm-hmm. so the next question is, who is most qualified in your estimation to answer that question? Do you have that in the article? I don't. Okay. I'm, I'm interested okay. where this so, is going. So, yeah. so who is most qualified mm-hmm. in your estimation, talking to a pro-abortion person who loves science and, and all mm-hmm. these other things, claims to love science at least, mm-hmm. until science doesn't fit their agenda. Right. So I'd ask them, who is most qualified in your estimation to tell us when life begins? Mm-hmm. Would it be biologists? And they would say, I think so. Biologists should be able to tell us, at least they're the, the most qualified mm-hmm. to tell us when life begins. Did you know that according to a secular research paper, and I actually probably should put the link somewhere here, yeah, this, sounds, that sounds 93% like. of biologists agree that life begins at conception. Yeah, duh. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, you don't have to be a super deep thinking person <laughs> right. to figure that out, right? Right. Yeah. But just the fact that biologists agree with like reality, I guess, can help people who don't agree with reality come to reality. Yeah. So you're actually going against science mm-hmm. to say that life doesn't begin at conception or no one really knows. Right. 93% of scientists say that life begins at conception as a secular, scientifically minded person. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you just agree that life begins at conception? Right. But, of course, they push back and they'll say things like, well, it may be life, but it's not a person. And then you get into mm-hmm. personhood and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. We may dig into some of that. Mm-hmm. But that's just on its face kind of the flow of the conversation that I have with pro-abortion people. Who's most qualified in your estimation to tell us when life begins? Well, I think it's biologists. Okay. 93% of biologists say that life begins at conception. What so about what those other 7%? What do they say? I mean, they're I... probably like biologists that deal with metaphysics and <laughs> who knows what else. <laughs> they're probably like Wiccan biologists or who, who knows what they are. I can't imagine that there's 7% that wouldn't agree with the fact that yeah. life begins at the moment that sperm, sperm meets egg. But um, all of the medical journals I have ever read yeah. say that they uniformly believe human life begins at conception. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and the reason that these are all important things, I loved how you phrased it, that everything points to God, yeah. whether it's directly out of the Bible or whether it's just the proof of all creation, all creation does declare his glory. We should be able to find God in, in everything. Yeah. Um, but, so often, especially in more liberal cities that are serving in front of abortion centers, people will tell them, I don't believe in God. Right. And I'll listen to you. I'll talk with you. But you can't talk about God. Don't yeah. bring God into the equation. And I will always find a way to do so. But I also think it's very important and actually not hard to argue for the sanctity of human life, unborn human life, from a strictly scientific perspective. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we're trying to do in, in this article yeah, and podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the science is on our side. It There's is. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Even to the point where, you know, you have ultrasound technology now that if you deny that a baby in the womb at six weeks, well, that's about as early as you can see it with an ultrasound, right. or a regular ultrasound. Yeah. yeah. But at six weeks, if you deny that that, that embryo is alive, yeah. you're just denying reality. Yeah, yeah. That's you. You have an agenda, yeah, and you've you've let go of reality in order to enforce your agenda. And if you d- attack 
uh, as in us, attack that premise that life does begin at concept does not begin at conception. You attack that pro-choice premise. They can't build on it yeah. to where they have ended up saying that it's okay yeah. to kill a baby, an unborn baby, really all the way up until birth. Right. They're going to have to keep shifting their definition of when life begins. Yeah. Because most will say that yeah, it's not human. Yeah. That that's that's where we differ. They claim yeah. it. It's not a person. It's not human. Yeah. And that I don't even know if I go directly into this in the article. So I'll say it right now. It's one of the first things I always say on the mic um, when I'm calling out, you know, of our sound system to the women is from the moment of conception, all the human DNA, not the squirrel DNA, right. <laughs> turtle DNA, human DNA is all present right. already at yeah. the moment of conception. Right. Yeah. And so that tells us that is the earliest beginning of human life, not just of life, but of human life. Yeah. And until really abortion, personhood and hum- humanhood meant the same thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're trying to In order to say be it's not. a person, all you have to do is be a human. Right. So here's another train of thought mm-hmm. that I've kind of walk through and talk through pro boards out here at Latrobe and other pro boards in other cities, just try to help them to to understand how ridiculous some of what they say is. Mm-hmm. When I ask them, when does life begin? And they say, well, we don't know. We, yeah. we don't really know. Yeah. And so an analogy I'll give, okay, there's a school down the road from your house and someone's about to take a wrecking ball and knock that school down um, because they're going to build something else there. Mm-hmm. If they were about to swing the wrecking ball and I walk up to the guy who's in control of the wrecking ball and I say, is there is there any human lives inside of that building? <laughs> uh-huh. And he says, I don't know. Like, we really can't know. Uh-huh. Then you shouldn't swing the wrecking ball. If you're not 100% sure that there's not a human life, not a child inside of that building. Right. Then you don't need, you don't need to crank up the machine that's going to destroy the place. Right. Yeah. In the same way, if you say, well, yeah. we don't really know when life begins. What you're saying is it could be a human life. It could be a person, mm-hmm. but it could not be. Mm-hmm. So when in doubt, throw it out. That's the mentality. When in doubt, right. well, we're not really sure. So let's just go ahead and kill it anyway. Right. And like that just doesn't fly. Yeah. Another thing is, too, this is a, another question I ask pro-abortion people when they say, well, because some of them have said it's not a person. It may, may be alive because you'd have to not deny reality and deny science. And most of them, you can get to that position to realize that, yes, it is a life, but it's not a person. Mm -hmm. So it's a life and it's a human life. Mm -hmm. This is my train of thought. Mm -hmm. It's a human life because two humans conceive this life, but it's not a person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are there any other human lives that are not persons? Mm -hmm. Is it only the unborn? Uh, Are there people that are different than you that are also not persons? Mm -hmm. Because that's essentially what you're saying. You're saying this is a human life, but because of traits that it has that I don't or that it doesn't have that I do, Mm -hmm. it somehow is not a person. And to to me, that sounds really Nazi-esque. It really sounds like you're segmenting out certain groups of people and saying they're non-persons, but you get to maintain your personhood. And that's pretty convenient for you, isn't it? Yeah. So, again, you're trying to pin them down with this reality that they, they are being... Um, they're being bigots, actually. They are. <laughs> they are taking a, a population of yeah. human lives and saying their lives are not worthy to be protected. Right. And in fact, um, so I'll say, when do they become a person yeah. to take your, where you've gone with it, which was great, and then take it, you know, to the next step. Well, when did they become? 
Yeah. At what point in this process do they, <laughs> would you call them a person? They'll sometimes say when they take their first breath and then you say, and how about that second before? Yeah. They Again, you just bring it to their, help them to understand their, their premise is flawed. Right. It, it's just flat out wrong. Um, so also, I think you brought up a really good point. Another point, I don't think it's in the article. Maybe it is, but I think it's very important. What other vulnerable people group do we allow ourselves to prey upon? Yeah. And the greatest atrocities in the history of all humanity is when we have allowed ourselves to prey on a vulnerable people group. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening Absolutely. In, in abortion. Yeah. So anyway, so that those are all kind of an over overview of some of the places that you can go. One of the places many people go, and I don't think it should be where they spend all their time, but that abortion does harm women. Right. And there certainly is scientific support yeah. that abortion harms women. Of course, Planned Parenthood and industries that um, that are supporting it will say, no, this is not true. Right. And that, that literature is buried. But it's there. You you can find it. There are There is just no doubt that abortion does harm women. Yeah. Um, the studies showing the link to breast cancer... Uh, again, they will deny it. They will say this is not true. I think I've said many times on this podcast that my own on oncologist, when he looked at my breast cancer, said I had zero risk in any area. I didn't have the gene. I didn't have the lifestyle. I'm healthy. I thin. I always have been, always exercise, always have eaten the right things. And yet I got breast cancer. Yeah. And he said the only contributing factor that he could find in my history, and they did all kinds of tests, yeah. was the prior abortion. Yeah. At which point I said, are you saying that there is a link? And he said definitively. He was the head of Levine Cancer Institute. I think he still is. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's pretty significant right. that someone yeah. in the field has admitted there is undoubtedly a link. Yeah. And my own personal oh, experience. Oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about, though. Yeah, he's the pro-abortion the of... <laughs> people, they know what they're... Planned <laughs> right. Parenthood, who, who makes money <laughs> off of doing the abortions, they know what they're talking about. But the head of the oncology department, he doesn't really know what he's talking really? about. Really? So this, there was this 2013 analysis that did look at all of these studies of breast cancer, and it found that there was a 44% increased risk of breast cancer among females who had at least one induced abortion, and that risk increased to 76 to 89% for those who had had two to three yeah. abortions, respectively. So your risk goes up. Right. The And I have studied why. I'm not going to go into it right now, I, but I do think people should look into it because it also helps explain the difference between the breast cancer risk with abortion versus miscarriage, yeah. which does not appear to have um, a breast cancer risk associated with, as far as I know. I yeah. could be wrong about that. Right. So in this article, because we're going to post this on Sidewalks for Life, yeah. will you have like footnotes and links to these studies? Is they, it possible for us to do that? They are in there somewhere, and if they're not, I'll find them. But I, I'm pretty sure that they are. Cause yeah. I, okay. uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I put up at the, at the top of it from um, – this is the, – the bulk of the medical information is from, from – compasscare.info slash health information abortion, and it goes on and on. But I do have that link. And then in that article um, are all of the links of the research studies, which I cite in, yeah. in this article. So you can look those up for yourselves, which is really, I think, a good thing to do. STDs, pelvic inflammatory disease, that there's been a, a, a strong link 
between um, abortion and those um, mental health issues, which include suicide. Yeah. Now we see that. We, right. I don't know that I see suicide. I have. I've seen people threatening suicide as the result of abortion. But I do see the depression, the despair, the angst, and often the suicidal thoughts right. that, that follow abortion. And the literature supports that. Yeah. It is there. More women who have had an abortion and um, commit suicide than those who have not. So um, infertility and future childbearing is another thing that... Um, that is a linked with increased abortions. You know, it makes sense. Yeah. Complications can arise that cause infection damage to the uterus and other, uh, you know, other reproductive organs. And so it can increase the risk for future childbearing. Yeah. And some of the saddest stories we hear on the sidewalk are the women who come back, and they do, that tell us, I had an abortion here years and years ago because it wasn't the right time for a family. And then I got married. I was ready to start a family, and I couldn't. Yeah. I, I couldn't get pregnant. The only baby I ever had was the baby that I killed. Yeah, yeah. So, so. Um, yeah. So uh, there, you can read the article, look up these links, but that is a definitely a tactic you can take in talking to the people. Is abortion not only clearly destroys the baby, but it destroys. The women in, right. in so many ways. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I have recently started saying and thinking about is the only human relationship that everyone shares. It's the only one. Is the relationship between a mother and a child. Yeah. Now the you know because the father could be long out of the picture by the time a baby is born. Right. But every child experiences a relationship with the mother. The mother could die in childbirth or whatever, sometimes that happens. So that experience was limited to while the baby was in the womb. But that baby did hear a heartbeat, presumably, depending on... Yeah, yeah, they would have heard a heartbeat um, if the baby is born now and their mother has died. So um, it's the most primary and universal relationship on Earth. Human relationship on Earth. And I hadn't really thought much about that before. Right. But think about that and how abortion severs that. Yeah. Severs that most primary universal relationship. How could it not damage yeah. both the child, obviously, but the mother as well. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's an area you can you can go into. Um we touched upon the logic of why we should protect the vulnerable. Right. Why should we protect a vulnerable people group? Yeah. Why is it such a big deal? Right. Well, I mean, I think kind of like just intrinsically, we know that those that can't protect themselves need our protection. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, if you see typically, right, if you mm-hmm. see, and this is an analogy, two people drowning in a pond, mm-hmm. flailing and can't can't get out because they can't swim, One's a 30-year-old man and one's a six-year-old child. Mm-hmm. You're going to save the six-year-old child first. Especially if he's bobbing underwater yeah. and the man is floating on his back doing okay, but that right. child's going to drown. Yeah. yeah. But even, either if they're, even if they're both not doing so well, you're going to save the child first because you recognize that child's a lot more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We, we flip that upside down when we um, – are okay with abortion, right? These children in the womb are the most vulnerable, right? They mm-hmm. can't even speak for themselves. Right. 
And so again, you flip that on on its head, and yeah. we become a pretty um, pretty callous society. And I believe yeah. the abortion, the whole abortion agenda, that culture of death, has really taken root in our society, where we have become pretty callous, pretty callous to the suffering and the pain of other people, yeah. pretty selfish. And I believe, you know, us not protecting the most vulnerable is is the root of that. Yeah, the, I mean, that is exactly what the abortion movement does in so many areas, but flipping things on its head, flipping what is typically touted as a sign of healthy and strong humanity, which is to protect the vulnerable, and instead we're going to prey on the vulnerable yeah. because we can, right. because we're stronger and we're able. So... um I think that's a powerful argument yeah. that, that could be mentioned. Human design. So the one organ in all human beings that is of no use to the person in which that organ resides is the womb. Yeah. The womb doesn't do the mother any good. Yeah. I just said this today to a woman I was counseling car side. I said, does the womb do you any good? Right. <laughs> and, no, it doesn't contribute in any way. Right. To to the health of the woman. It is purely there for another human being. Yeah. There is a reason. Yeah. There's a reason why we don't disrupt God's design. I will bring in God. Right. I, they told me not to talk about God, maybe, but that's a point at where I will talk about this is designed yeah. for another person, another human being, yeah. another body, again, which is kind of dismantling the my body, my choice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, let's see. Uh, human rights. Just thinking about human rights, as certainly as our founding documents say they're inalienable. Right. And I'll ask people, what does that mean? A lot of people don't know. Right. But <laughs> sadly, in our society. They don't come from outer space. <laughs> no, inalienable. So it right. didn't come from outer yeah. space. Exactly. <laughs> so it's intrinsic. It's there. It's bestowed upon us, not by government, you know, not by the mother or father. Right. The human right to life is a human right bestowed upon us by God. Yeah. It is an intrinsic right because God has created us and given us that right. He's yeah. the author of life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think it's uh, in today's age, I, I have found that if I start talking about school shootings with with a mom and say, why do you think they're happening? Yeah. Why do you think there's so much of this happening? They'll say, people just don't care anymore. People don't care about the value of life. Yeah. This will be an abortion-minded mom saying this to me. Yeah. What a great springboard yeah. for you to take off then on, um, and I'll, I'll say, you're absolutely right. And I think it begins with the unborn. Yeah, If we devalue the least of us. One day we're going to be the least of us. Yeah. And we're going to be devalued by someone. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's that culture of death. Yeah. And um, like I said earlier, it, it is a cancer in our society. We yeah. become callous to the plight of even the most innocent. Yeah. And it really does have an effect on society. Yeah. So kind of, uh, I guess, wrapping up this episode, let's talk about the SLED methods. We're talking yeah. about apologetics, mm -hmm. giving an apologetic. We talked about scientific apologetics for the value of human life, why abortion should be illegal, why we should fight against abortion. It hurts women. It destroys innocent lives. 
Um, but Scott Klusendorf is a guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know him personally, mm-hmm. but I've read and I've watched a lot of his videos, read a lot of his literature. And he really has, I think, a powerful method of helping people understand um, what gives us value right. as human beings. And you know, kind of just a spoiler alert here, what gives us value as human beings is the fact that we're human beings. Mm-hmm. No trait that I have or that you have makes me more valuable than mm-hmm. you or you more valuable than me. Mm-hmm. It's not the traits that we possess or that we don't possess. It's the very fact that we're human. And so mm-hmm. Scott Klusendorf lays out this SLED method to help yeah. people understand the value of human life. And SLED stands for size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependency. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you want to talk through that and kind of how you use that apologetic to help people see the value of human life. I use this all the time. This um, I don't go into great depth, but I will frequently use this method because it's very effective, like you said. Uh, I will start with, I'll ask the question, what gives us value? Yeah. Can you tell me what gives you value? I'll ask the mom that. Oftentimes, they don't know. They oftentimes can't answer that. And if they can't answer it, well, no wonder then that they're not valuing their baby. They don't value themselves. They don't know why they're of any value. Yeah. So uh, I'll start with, well, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly small woman. Am I of less value than a larger woman? Woman, No. The, everyone will admit, no. No, size right. doesn't determine value. Um, and then how, how about, um, uh, you know, the, your two-year-old who's smaller than your three-year-old? Yeah. Is, is your two-year-old of less value? No. Well, how about your unborn baby? that's smaller than your two-year-old. We've just determined it's not the size that gives value. Yeah. So they'll agree with that. They'll yeah. usually, okay, that makes sense because you're being logical. Um, how about level of development? So we're, we're all at di- differing levels of development. And something I trot out often when I'm talking about human development is the human being is not fully developed. The brain is not fully developed until about age 30. Yeah. It's in the, the late 20s, early 30s when the, there's the nerves that go to the frontal lobe, which is the seat of judgment. Of the okay. brain, which makes a lot of sense why young adults and, and teenagers and all sometimes don't make the best judgments yeah. about things because they're, those nerves don't have the nerve sheath that surrounds the nerve that helps with the transmission okay. of, of um, the transmission of those nerves. And, so that's why and teenagers do stupid it things. It is. There okay. is a neurological reason they, they are not, those nerve sheaths are not fully myelinated. I, that word is hard to say, but, but they, so they are not complete. They okay. are not complete. The, the development of those nerves is not complete and it doesn't happen until the thirties. Then I'll say, so would it be okay since they're not fully developed that we just kill everyone under 30 when they, you know, Maybe they've done some really stupid things, whatever. Yeah. You don't like them. And of course, everyone says no. That's right. ridiculous. Well, that's the logic yep. that is often used. That baby isn't fully developed. Therefore, right. it's okay to kill that baby in the womb. Right. And I'll say, do you see why that argument is really not a good argument for killing that child? And they'll agree, usually. Um, then I'll say, okay, how about where I live? I live in North Carolina. Ten miles away is South Carolina because we're pretty close to the border. Am I right about that? I yeah, think we're pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. <laughs> um, am I am I of more value because I live in North Carolina than the person who lives in South Carolina? 
And they'll say, no, of course not. Right. Well, why not? Well, because where you live doesn't determine your value. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, how about the baby in the womb? Is she of more or less value than the baby outside of the womb? It's just right, yeah. a different environment. Yeah, whether you're inside a house or outside in a, a house, you're still a human being and you're still valuable. No you're still the if same you're person. Inside or outside. Right? That's right. Yeah. And so, yeah, and that's a great thing saying in or outside a house because everyone can relate to that. And the womb is the baby's house. Yeah. And, and, and but it doesn't change value because yeah. the babies in the house or out of the house, it's still the same baby. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that they say is, and we hear this one a lot babies are, f- um, an unborn child is fully dependent upon their mother for life. Yeah. And that is true. Yeah. They absolutely. are. But so is a newborn. Right. And in fact, so is my father in the last years of his life, dependent upon oxygen and the doctors and the yeah. treatments they were giving him. Yeah. Um, or anyone on, uh, you know, dialysis. It, there are so many examples medically of people who would die, except that they're dependent on some other person to either provide an intervention or to provide care or whatever. Yeah. And yet. Does, was my dad of less value? No, of course, of course not. not. Yeah. Or a person on, on dialysis. While they're on that dialysis machine, when they would die, if you suddenly just shut it down, yeah. would, does that make them of less value? Of course not. Right. And the same is true of the baby in the womb. Uh, the baby is dependent on the mother and will be for yeah. many years. Yeah. But her value is not determined yeah. by that dependency. Yeah, and so what it boils down to, is it size that gives a human being their value? No. Is it level of development? No. Is it environment? No. Is it degree of dependency? And of course, these are all the arguments that pro-abortion people give. Yep. Those things can't give humans value because there are humans other than the pre-born that have those things different. All of us are in varying ranges of development and dependency and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So what is it that gives a human their value? Yeah. It's the very fact that they're human. They're human and they're made in God. And that's when I will bring God in. Yeah. I will I will bring in that sentence and let it sit if they won't let me do more. Yeah. The only thing that makes sense why we're human and we're made in God's holy image and yeah. our value comes from that. Yeah. And you can't it it doesn't change from conception till death. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully this equipped you to be able to give an apologetic. There's a lot of other resources out there. There are certainly people that do things as far as apologetics a lot better than us. You can check out Scott Klusendorf. I believe the organization is Life Institute, mm-hmm. Life Training Institute. Anyway, you can look it up. I'm not going to try to spell Klusendorf for you, though, so you can Google it. Just like it sounds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Seth Gruber. There's another guy who does a great job with apologetics, great mm-hmm. speaker. He's done a lot of stuff with Love Life. He's certainly a, a guy that God has used out on the West Coast, certainly to get some churches mobilized and, and equip and train some folks. So check out Seth Gruber. His podcast yeah. is called Unaborted. Mm-hmm. And so really powerful podcast. So definitely check him out and check out some of his apologetic materials, videos and stuff that he's put out on um, on YouTube and social media. And so, again, hopefully this was equipping and encouraging to you guys. You can reach out to us. You can reach me, Daniel, at lovelife.org. You can reach her, Vicky, with a Y, at lovelife.org. We'd love to hear from you, maybe with some suggestions of future podcasts. And, um, yeah, until next time, God bless. God bless you all. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. 
seems too precious since I met you. 